Hello everyone, this is John. Thank you for dropping by my YouTube and podcast, Catholic for Rednecks. If you're interested in becoming Catholic or learning about the faith, if you're just curious or intrigued or maybe looking for some junk, you have found the right place because I love to do videos, podcasts about the Holy Catholic Church. I was born and raised Southern Baptist in the great state of Alabama. And all, I'm just a redneck, but um, I was born and raised in a different church than I'm in now. I even went to seminary out in Oklahoma, and um, I spent 50 years in the Baptist Pentecostal churches and found myself wanting to be a Catholic. Come on in, listen. With my friend from Twitter. Nick and Stephanie, don't know if they can see me. I don't know if you can see me. But YouTube needs to improve their package for going live together because I've done over 20 interviews. And a lot of the times when I'm interviewing through YouTube live, go live together, takes a while to get hooked up. So I send you a link to your phone and it works fine. But if you're trying to use a laptop, problems. So I'm waiting on the Brady's, the Brady Bunch that I met on Twitter. So if anyone can hear me, if you could say hello. And if I disappear, I'll be back. I'm looking for my guest again. So a good question is, if your child was asking you what they must do to be saved, hey, hey, Mr. Nair, Satyan, Satan, Satyan. Sorry if I mess up your name. If your children and grandchildren if you had to leave them an instruction, a direction to be saved, what would you tell them? My brother, Terry, greetings from India. One of my best friends that I went to college with is from India. Actually, his family's from India. But he's back there now, Stephen Chaudhry. So if you could leave your kids a message to grandkids about how to be saved. My brother wanted to know, hey, Rexford, my brother wanted to know what five to ten scriptures would you write down or tell them to memorize. So his baseline, my brother's baseline for salvation is found in the Bible. The Bible. So that's his baseline. The Bible says that the church is the pillar of truth. So with me, the church is my baseline. We have two different baselines because he's Protestant, because um, their view is based primarily on just the Bible, just the Bible, not the church, just the Bible. Then his faith is anchored on the written word, Whereas my faith is anchored 
on the living church that gave us the living word. So my baseline would be the sacraments. His baseline would be just the Bible. Well, how do you get saved? The Bible in the New Testament, I think, has 16 different ways to get saved if you add them all up. And then we got to define what is the word saved. I think my guest is here. Hi. Hey. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Good. I wonder if we can turn this on its side, if it would adjust. Uh, Just Brady Yeah, we're having technical difficulties. Nope, can't do that. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. We'll just kind of... I like that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to get really intimate for this. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I was just doing a little thing My, uh, while I was waiting for you guys. My little brother, Terry, he identifies as being Southern Baptist. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think he's really a Southern Baptist like. Not hardcore. You know, if, if you live in Alabama, how long have y'all been been down here? Um, I, I'm from here. We actually live in the house that I grew up in. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's from North Carolina. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, Lexington. It's close to Winston Salem and Greensboro, that area, about in the middle of the state. Yeah, I'm not trying to FBI you. I just right, don't. Nah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> my dad, my dad's family's from North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we they met all, online, so <laughs> that's, yo, uh, that's how we we met online. That's how oh, we ended yeah. up getting together. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, everybody says that these days we met online. Yeah. 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 All my friends live in this little phone. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jody. <laughs> well, anyhow, he'll. He's asking me, he asked me a while ago if I had to tell my kids or grandkids, and he said it like this, what's the top five or ten verses you would use if they wanted to know how to be saved? Mm-hmm. And so being in Alabama and born and raised Southern Baptist, that word saved is right. real big. It's the biggest right. word in the world, saved, right. saved. Yeah, and I got to thinking. I've been Catholic, you know, going on ten years, <clears throat> and to me, it's the definitions have changed. They have morphed into it's not just being, you know, what is being saved? Is that a location? Right. Yeah. What does the word "saved" even mean? Does it really mean what a Baptist would think? So he asked me. So I gave them the regular scriptures, you know, but they're all a little different. This right. scripture yeah. says, do these four things. And this scripture right. says, do one thing. Right. This scripture over here says, two, do two things. Right. So the Catholic views to put all them scriptures together. Right. You know, and with them, it's they're hung up on just doing the prayer and believing. And right. yeah. all the other stuff is just, optional when right. it's not right repent and so, be baptized yeah that doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah, matter right <laughs> the, the, no it's not works well praying is work right right, right. yeah right i mean if i'm praying am i working mm-hmm. ain't yeah. belief at work is yeah. is exercising faith you've heard that term right yeah well 
how can you be exercising something you're resting in? Right. I, I don't know. So the baseline for him is always going to be the Bible. Right. And with Catholics, the baseline is the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what does the church say? Right. So that's me talking to him. And the the first thing that came to my mind was the sacraments. I would tell my kids about the sacraments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the sacraments, my niece, I interviewed her yesterday on here. She's not Catholic. I just ask people what Catholics believe, and it's amazing what they believe. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they don't know. Nobody. Yeah. I didn't know. Right. She had heard me say sacraments before. And she thought I was saying steps. But think about it. They are steps. Mm-hmm. Sacraments are steps. You know, baptism is a step. Right. You know, and uh, so that's just what I was thinking about before y'all popped on my phone. Right. So that y'all is. are in, on the way to Chattanooga. Like, I live in the Birmingham. And you live on the way towards Chattanooga. Yeah, we're right. We're five minutes from the Georgia border, and we're close to like Highway 59, not too far from Highway 59 around Trenton exit. So it's, I mean, we're about 30 minutes from Chattanooga. Um, yeah. So, yeah. My, my oldest son got his first speeding ticket in Trenton. <laughs> you know where yeah, that they is? They're pretty relentless there. <laughs> yeah. That's like a speed trap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. <clears throat> yeah. It is. That's where he got his first ticket. He was. Making fun of us running, running behind the whole family was going to Gatlinburg or something. Yeah. Then he he went off radar for about thirty minutes, and uh, when he checked in, he had been detained by Georgia's. Oh fire. man! Oh no! Yeah. I actually, got I got pulled short in Trenton shortly after, not too long after moving here. But I got off from being new to the area. I was I was talking on my phone. Um, so he pulled me for talking to my phone and I said, you know, we didn't have that wall in North Carolina. I was new here. He let me go, but, um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess they are. That's, that's two incidences. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my mom got pulled in Trenton too. They're uh, like, they, they look. <laughs> yeah. Well, my son got stopped in San Francisco for being on his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember being in England. That was a big thing. Uh, my friends saying, get off your phone. Don't talk on the phone. Yeah. You'll get a big ticket. So y'all met online. Were you Catholic when you met? No. No. <laughs> no far from it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fairly recently Catholic. We've been married. Yeah. This will be nine years this year. Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine years this year, but we've only, we came into the church last, last Easter. Easter mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, long, long period of, uh, y'all, y'all yeah. were not even knowing each other ten years ago. No, no, no. I you mean, didn't know we, each other, and you weren't no. so a lot. No. Yeah. yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. How, did y'all meet in a? Um, I don't know. They used to have chat rooms. Right. I wish we met in a chat no, room. We, were, we, we met on a shady dating site, basically. Tinder. You met <laughs> yeah. on your Tinder account. Right. No, it wasn't Tinder, at least, but it probably isn't much better. <laughs> it was uh, OkCupid. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I used to, like, 
they used to have all these good personality tests and stuff on there. Um, so there was like a little bit more than just like dating stuff. But yeah, you can you can make excuses for why you're on there, but <laughs> no. Um... Hey, I had to outsource. My like great grandfather had 13 kids, and so I'm related to like my entire area. Yeah, <laughs> I had to like branch out. <laughs> What well, that's real funny. Now you're you're seven years from here in Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The same area up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, we're in the the house that I grew up as like a little girl in. So. Mm -hmm. So yeah. next time I go to up fifty nine, I'm going to mm -hmm. pass near your house. Yeah, you're yeah. good. Yep. Blowing the yep. horn when I get the pain. Yeah, we might we might hear you. <laughs> that's a beautiful area of the state, I think. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's, it is. it's great. We have a lot of good places to go hike, and there's like there's waterfalls. Yeah, and it's not what you picture when you whatever I pictured when I thought Alabama. Like I just I never I'd driven through the southern part of the state, and so that was my image. But like you know, northern Alabama is you know, very different. So I I love the area. It's beautiful. It's, it's no different than Virginia or West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot similar. Yes, Appalachians. Yeah. Yeah. Mountainous and beautiful, mass just a beautiful drive, and and uh, we used to go to Chattanooga a lot mm -hmm. when my, my kids were little. It's an easy, it's an easy vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two hours away at the most. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know how they redid the riverside, the mm -hmm. you yeah. know the aquarium and all that stuff, right? And, yeah. Yeah. So in the nineties, all that was kind of recent remodeling. Yeah. 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 And how did you? How in the world did you um, bump into the Catholic Church down there? Well, I mean, I'm trying that to took some doing. Long yeah. story short, I mean, I mean the the background that I came from. Initially, I was non-denominational. Well. You know, not whatever that means, you know, in the in the Protestant world. Uh, it usually means Baptist for a lot of people, but um, that was it means you my... raise your hands at church. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> your praise of work, you have a praise of worship leader that looks yep. cool. That's cool. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you, you have drink, a cool pastor. Yeah, wear a casual dress. And, yeah. And, you know, prayers. Yeah. My well, background was Pentecostal, so we did more than raise our hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was jumping pews and, and yeah. you know, hand, not Pentecost. quite handling snakes. Yeah. But. <laughs> we didn't do that. <laughs> did you yeah. do any snake handling? No, but there is like, there's still churches in this area that do that. Do you know yeah. where they're at? I don't know. There, I think I've heard like whispers that they're like in the Scottsboro area. Um, there was a book written about Sand Mountain snake handling. Um, yeah, so it's, my it's, grandfather went to a revival. He was a um, a Church of God pastor, and he went to a revival one time, and they brought out snakes and handed him one, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it was totally weird. Like he was, he was like, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. They're kind of secretive now. Um, the last time I was on Sand Mountain, it was in October, about two two years ago. Kind of like the first chilly day of the year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I was just riding around Sand Mountain. And um, I noticed that the taillights ahead of me were coming on. It's in the daytime. Right. So I hit, <clears throat> excuse me, I got some phlegm. 
Yesterday, I, I was exploding snot on the camera. Right. So, it's that most wonderful time of the year. So anyhow, I'm driving, and I hit my brakes, and I looked, and all traffic is slowing down. And there's people in parking lots looking. So I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? And I see a naked dude. Man, there's a naked dude about your age. But naked. (laughs) He's covered in dirt, dust, like he's actually. The first thought I had was he's crawled out of a grave. That's the first thought. (laughs) And he had a gut. You know, he's a young guy, but he had a gut. And uh, he had some bad shrinkage going on, too. You know, I mean, it was shrunk up. It was old, nipply, and he's just walking down the side of the road like he's walking through his, down his hallway at home. He ain't got care in the world. Right. And so traffic speeds back up because I thought he was going to run out in front of me. I thought he was crazy, you know, like coming out of a grave like a zombie. Yeah. So I get, I get past him, and I'm thinking – that guy's uh, either bad on drugs or or uh, escaped some Hannibal Lecter or something. So I yeah. get about two miles down the road, and here comes the police going the other way. Yeah, they got their lights on, and I'm thinking I would be terrified. What What do you do when you get there? You know, <laughs> a big six foot two. 280-pound dude, but... At least, at least, like, he had nowhere to hide a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Unless he had something really awkward going on, he was, like, unarmed. Got some good, some good roles going on. Yeah. But is, is he going to be on drugs? Is he yeah. demonic? He, honestly, he probably was on meth, because that is a big problem in, the, like, the area. Like, Sand Mountain, Freaking. unfortunately, has the... Freaking is a big problem. <laughs> The streaking is a big problem up there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of it. Yet. I don't know. We usually just hear a lot about um, about meth because I used to work at a pharmacy, and that was a big problem, especially like having to make sure to check everybody's license for what they were buying and stuff because it's it's a pretty. I I think it's still as big as it was, but that's one of the bigger issues in our area. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Streaking. We got the dudes part. on the road. <laughs> I called a streaker. Um, I got a call to a to a bar, a popular bar, and they said there's a streaker out front of the bar. And I went there, and I did catch the streaker. Was he I'm the fastest old. thing on two feet? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm old, but back in the back in the day, that was a popular thing that happened. Right, <laughs> streaking. And yeah. so I caught the dude, and I wrapped him up. They told me, you can't bring him naked to the jail. <laughs> I'm on the radio. I got, I mean, they sent me to get the streaker. I caught the streaker. Now that I got the streaker, what you can't bring him? him to jail naked. What am I supposed <laughs> to do? Take him to Walmart? <laughs> Go get that boy a hoodie. <laughs> I, yeah, I got the crime scene tape. And I wrapped his midriff up in the crime, the yellow tape. Oh my gosh! 
I had him out there buck naked, holding him around, and I got him wrapped up. And I got him to the jail. It turned out that he had been drinking in a bar where a lot of police hung out. Uh-huh. And they found out, the dude found out they were the police. And somehow they paid him to go street. They bet him like, they raised like $300 right there. <laughs> they said, hey, we'll give you $300 if you'll strip butt naked and just take off running down the highway. Okay. You yeah. won't put me in jail? No, we won't put you in jail. So they gave <laughs> we won't, but... Yeah. <laughs> we he runs out the door, butt naked. They call, They get on the, you know, their phones and call the police. Uh-huh. So I got him, put the dude in jail. Then he's mad at me. I had to take him back to the bar to get his money from the police <laughs> that paid him to do it. So, you know. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Somehow we went from Alabama, from how you right. became Catholic. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you become Catholic? Yeah. Well, well, I'll start with the streaker. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, I, so I left, I, I, my first year of college was um, at Asbury, you know, the one that's famous for all the, the revival stuff going yeah. on recently. Um, and, and while there was not a revival going on at that point, that particular time i did have some um powerful experiences with with god while i was there that first year and that put me on a path of questioning um, <clears throat> yeah in kentucky yeah uh, wilmore kentucky um and um i mean there's a lot of factors that led to that but basically it it years of my life um spent seeking studying scripture trying to understand like you know what is the church how are we meant to live in this day and time like what is authentic and actually in in many ways went the exact opposite of catholicism like rejecting all institutional christianity altogether so like do how did you do yeah 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 i got involved in like house church movement and um so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I spent years like I was either involved with like little small like house church communities, involved in like intentional communities in, in my hometown of North Carolina. Eventually, I found a book um, called Pagan Christianity. Yeah, um, was written by Frank Viola, um, and it wasn't really. Normally, you would hear that book and you would think it's an attack on Catholicism because they're the ones who typically get the brunt of the paganism attacks. But this was actually not about. Catholicism per se was more about Protestantism, but his whole argument in the book was basically that all of the major church practices we have, whether it be liturgy and order of worship, whether it be like clergy and laity, meeting in church buildings, um, it, it just would go through this major this list of all the major practices in Protestant Christianity and shows how these were actually like adaptations of pagan culture and and you know and reiterating jewish you know practices you know kind of so basically just arguing that the church it's it's kind of like what all protestants do they believe that at some point the church went astray you know and and different protestants will say different points in time many will say it was around constantine that's when the church you know you know became something else and, you know, and, and such, but, you know, from the point of view of this book, it was kind of like, 
immediately after the time of the apostles, it just all started going down south, and you get you know this Real hierarchy starts Real to form, and you've got clergy and leading. Yeah, yeah. So like you got the bishops, you know, taking mm. over, and everything gets institutionalized, and you know, everything originally was this pure like house church, and everybody was on equal ground. So it was basically reading modern like values, modern Protestant, evangelical, egalitarian, individualistic values back into back into the scriptures, and kind of imagining this little you know. These gatherings where every there was no really established leadership and hippie kind of hippie church, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And so he, that that author he wrote several books that really impacted me at the time, and I eventually moved to be a part of a church that he planted in Gainesville, Florida, um, and was part of that on and off for three or four years. Um, and I will say that it was one of the most formative and powerful, you know, periods of my life. And, and many of the things that happened there, I think eventually actually both the good things that happened there and the bad things, both God used eventually on the path to becoming Catholic in the sense, the good part in the sense is that we were devoted to the person of Christ. Like that was the strong emphasis on the group, there was much an emphasis on we're about a person and not the Bible. Not that we didn't believe the Bible, we believed the scriptures, but there was an emphasis on, you know, we're here to worship a person, we meet around a person, you know, we, we're not like, you know, Bible-centric. We The scriptures were meant to reveal a person who is Jesus Christ, which is a very Catholic view, um, actually, and, you know, the Catholics <clears throat> tend to emphasize now, not that they don't believe the Bible is the word of God, but the word, first and foremost, is is Jesus Christ himself. And so the scriptures testify him. So there were a lot of good things that happened over my time period. They are strong and solid community. Um, but at the same time, the messes that the, the exclusivism and the elitism that kind of arose had to arise in the group in order to kind of because there was no established leadership in a very real sense. There was no, um, you know, no elder, no pastor, no whatever. It was very much like in a, in a gathering, anybody could stand up and speak, teach, lead in a song. You know, it was very, you know, that's kind of what our meetings looked like. And then there was a lot of fruit and positive things that happened in that setting. But on the other hand, it's like, then you had to start protecting the group from anybody that didn't, fit the mold so to speak because if anybody could could speak in the in the group it's like well you know you've got to be careful about who gets let in and so our relationship to the wider church kind of was weird there was kind of this exclusive and nobody wanted it to be that way i don't think but it just kind of naturally had to happen in order to protect you know what we had so you know i don't only get into the details of that that whole our time there but you know eventually she she be she was a part of that church for a year as well i met her in the process of all of that yeah we got married and then we moved to florida yeah for a year down in gainesville yeah she, yeah. yeah she lived there for about a year, a year and we had our first son while we were there mm -hmm. um that's so. a good college town i've ever been to oh yeah, yeah it's, it's really that, cool that, yeah it that is. school is gorgeous, man. University yeah. of Florida, Gators, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. We weren't big fans of the area, but... The, the the town was cool, but like Florida in general, we're not we were not too fond of. I mean, if like you're gonna be in Florida, I would want to be near the beach, and you're like you're like right in the middle of the state. We you don't get the ocean breeze, like, and we got you know, all the mosquitoes. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. All the things you hate about the beach, you get, except you don't get the actual beach. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you get really gypped yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we left there. Um. And there was some, you know, because of some problems, we, we and we felt like God was leading us away, and we returned back to my my hometown in North Carolina for for a time, and we kind of spent several years, for lack of a better word, in the wilderness, so to speak, yeah. just trying to figure out like we, and up and around. we were involved with the Presbyterian Church for a time, not because we were Presbyterian, but just because we had some connections there. We um, we, you know, again, tried with different like house church type communities and, and things of that nature. But um, I came to the point of such confusion where I was like, you know, God, I, I, I feel like I don't hardly even know what the gospel It's like I've been following you for so many years. I still feel like I have clarity over what the gospel is. I still don't feel like I have clarity over what the nature of the church is. And so just these questions, I was like, surely there's got to be more to be able to figure it. Like, it's like all the traditions I've been a part of and this house church group I've been a part of and all of it's been completely severed from church history. Like I don't have any sense of what I've continuity. been, a, the continuity or anything that I've been a part of. It's like, I, I have this Bible in front of me and I can read it and study it and, and form opinions and, 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 you know, see God and the Holy spirit the best I can. But it's like, it's it's separated from like any kind of ultimate continuity. It's it's between it's like the Bible and me and my room, mm-hmm. um, ultimately. And so it's like you know I need to study history. I need to study the context of the Bible, how it came into to being. I need to understand and and then understand like the early church to a certain extent and how you know that. Um, how that was lived out over not just you know in the time of the apostles but in the, in the time since and so we moved we ended up moving back here to Alabama um, 2020. in 2020 it was right when COVID exploded it was yeah. when we were moving back and um, for several reasons we we started to homestead here there's some we have some family land here and then um, her dad passed away. 2016 2016 and so her mom was to the point where we felt like she needed some help as well and um so we moved down here and um we i felt like i was supposed to in the course of my studies like i was trying to study as best as i could on my own but i felt this burden to be able to study deeper and um and so i we ended up me going to get my master's in theology at Lee University um, in uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Tennessee, which is, yeah, an, which hour is an hour from away. here. Um, but, you know the Cracker Barrel there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, told, um, I think I told you, Stephanie, that I somehow we got on, <clears throat> excuse me, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. May have been someone else. But that Cracker Barrel. Yeah. yeah. There's a Texaco by it. Uh, I bought a 12-pack of Coors beer there. 
<laughs> the last beer that I uh, bought for like 10 years. But I always remember that. Texaco. Yeah. <laughs> you got Goodbye. a fond connection. Oh. Yeah. We're going to yeah. find that Texaco. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I went like 10 years without a, a sip. I don't drink anymore, but I did go 10 years without drinking. That was just like a a landmark moment. My last year that I will ever buy. Yeah, I'm sure Were Cleveland you, would you that. <laughs> Were you driving back and forth? Or yeah, yeah, yeah still I, was, I was commuting. I still, I'm still actually finishing that degree. I um, will be shortly. Um, so in the course of that program, I mean, we over the course of that, I, I didn't realize that even though the school is Church of God, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty ecumenical, like in their outlook. Um, and they have multiple um, teachers, professors in their theology program who actually attended, got their PhDs at Marquette, which is a Catholic university, um, I think in Michigan, maybe. Um, but, you know, a lot of, they had studied, um, you know, early church history and such. And, and, and have even weird? found out since then, huh? It's weird. Yeah, and, yeah, and I even found out since then, after becoming Catholic, that multiple professors there actually attend Catholic mass. They're not Catholic, but mm -hmm. they're just very much like they, there, they have a strong feeling of connection to the tradition. So there's a, um, a, a Baptist. I think it's Baptist. There's a mega church here in town in Birmingham. Uh, and the pastor is all well, everyone knows his name. If I was saying he's a closet Catholic. Really? <laughs> because yeah. he feels like if he came out of the closet, he loses career. He's got mm. kids in school, a mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, you come out Catholic at a Baptist for non denominational church. Right. You out of a job. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, judge, I used to judge pastors that did that. And awe, because I'm of a different personality. I'm not the type that can do that. But um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're I'm fine. I interrupt. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <clears throat> um, I mean, so there were a lot of factors. Um, you know, I was starting to broaden my perspective by listening. I, I started listening to like Catholic, you know, podcasts and debates between Catholics and Protestants and Orthodox. Who would you listen to? I listened to Matt Fred, some, you know, Pints with Aquinas. Um, I listened to Trent Horn um, a little bit, you know. What were you doing? Pardon? What were you doing during this time? At, first, At that point, she I didn't know. even know I was listening to this stuff. That, that was my own yeah. personal little uh, pursuit. His little, his little Catholic secret. Yeah. <laughs> what did know. you think? What, but Stephanie, uh, growing up the way you did, what was your thought of the Catholic Church? I remember, like, I would meet people and be like, "Oh, these are so these are nice people," and they're like, "We're Catholic," and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, that's so sad." <laughs> and. Yeah. It's like, it was weird because the stuff that you always, yeah, you always heard like, you know, they worship Mary and they think the Pope is God and like all this, like just ridiculous stuff that now, like, I'm like, what? Like, it's just crazy how that stuff gets passed down, like as a tradition <laughs> and yeah. um, how far removed it is. <clears throat> uh, I've been doing a project 
I'm working on a project and it's where I just ask random people, randomly ask them 10 questions about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And they get every one of the questions wrong. Yeah. Everybody does. And what's alarming to me, guys, is even people that I have discussed the Catholic Church with for years mm-hmm. explain it. They still cannot answer two questions right, right. On, on a simple uh, survey. Right. So, you know, the way Stephanie just said, yeah, it, yeah it's like, you know, I understand that. It's like, and even I remember recently I was watching um, a live stream of a revival from a church I used to go to just to see how they were doing and everything. And <clears throat> what, and a very popular pastor was there from, um, he pastors a bit, a large church down in like Southern Alabama. And he was like, yeah, we just had six Catholics come up and get saved and baptized. And I was like, <laughs> because and my heart was just like dying because I was mm-hmm. like, like and so my entire former church who knows that i converted to catholicism are like probably being like god y'all just gotta save stephanie again because because of that like it's just the misinformation that just gets spread thoughtlessly yeah my um this priest i know lives down the street he was at walmart the other day and he wears his black outfit with his white collar and there's this old lady walked up to him and said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And uh, he said, yeah, I just ate him this morning. <laughs> and, and he walked off. <clears throat> That's what he always says to people when they that ask. That is awesome. A, wow. You can't get any more personal than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he said, I had him for breakfast. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now he's got oh. tattoos and stuff, you know. He's mm-hmm. kind of oh, he's a yeah. different kind of priest, right? So you're going to get your masters. You're listening, yeah. to unauthorized. Yeah, Catholic listen, listen to the podcast <laughs> on the way to and from school, and and um, I took um, a class on the early church fathers. It's one of the core classes, um, at the, at the school for the theology program. And that was kind of like, starts to peel back some of the layers here and, and makes me, I mean, it forces you to confront some questions really quickly. I don't understand how anyone can read the church fathers in any kind of extensive way and not start to question what is the faith that I'm a part of. I'm thinking it's like, these are the, the, the men who generations, you know, within a generation and then generations following the apostles, this was the faith that they were living out. And so you immediately, I mean, have to, I have to wrestle with questions over, you know, the leadership and the authority and the hierarchy and the church structure and such. And, and I mean, cause you have to think like in some ways I was about as far from Catholic as one could be like in some ways, because I was so like anti institution, anti hierarchy, anti like clergy, laity, anti, I mean, it's like the church is like this big monstrous institution. Like 
Now, it's not that I didn't think that Catholics didn't know Jesus or that there were no Catholics who were, like, I didn't have a mentality like, well, Catholics are pagans or they're, you know, I mean, I had the mentality that in all expressions of the church, God had those who were his. And so I had, you know, somewhat of a charitable outlook broadly towards anyone who claims to Christian, but I just thought that the institution itself was so corrupt and <clears throat> if if God used it, it was his grace. It wasn't because because the institution was so, you know, corrupt and, and man made and centered and such. Um, but as I was listening and listening to to faithful Catholics talk about their faith, talk about their their relationship with the Lord, their their um, you know, that what they actually believed as opposed to what I thought that they believed you know, hear them like parse these things out. And it just, I had to, I came home one day, I think about this point, she knew I was listening to Catholic stuff just, but you know, for her, it was like, I'm you like, know, oh, you know just, whatever. You know, That's just Nick being, you yeah, know, Nick, like, theology. He, yeah. Because you know, like whatever. he would listen to like atheists debate and stuff like that. So that wasn't surprising to me yeah. that he was listening to, to stuff like that. But, right. <laughs> but then, yeah. Well, she, and she, recently had had gotten an interest in listening to caring about theology herself yeah. whereas she hadn't necessarily spent a lot of time you know on the subject and so um i came home one day and i said what, what was my exact words i said mm-hmm. i mean basically i think we need to seriously consider the catholic church and you're like, what if catholicism is true um, and i was like <laughs> And at this point, I still had a lot of problems and objections in my mind. Like, I was not there yet, but I was like, there's enough truth here. There's enough um, goodness here. Um, And, you know, God had been preparing in other ways and things that he had shown me in my study of history, study of the saints um, and the significance and trying to understand how an early Jew would have received the gospel, which actually made Catholicism make more sense to me. Um, so I'd already had these studies and I think God was kind of preparing me for that. And so I was in a place where it's like, I have to take this. And I said, I said to her, can we honestly say that we're being faithful to the Holy Spirit? If we don't at least put it on the table. Like, and I was like, you got to play the Holy Spirit card right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, of course, like at that point it was kind of like, whoop, right. Because I was like, I can't say anything to that. Like yeah. I said, well, I guess guess I need to start listening yeah. to Catholic stuff and, and asking I, Jesus what, yeah. what to do about this. Because... Like, can we really dismiss the first 1500 years of church history? Can we just put that under the table? Um, or you just, like what church history? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it exists. It, you know, a black hole. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once, once we um, opened ourselves up, it was just kind of like a domino effect. Because before it had been like, I would occasionally listen to things. I would get drawn in. I would wrestle. I would argue with myself. That's how I do. I think I just sit and like go back and forth in my head. Mm -hmm. And once we said to God together, we have to consider this, whether it's true or not. We have to, to really genuinely open our hearts and ask questions about it. Then it just started like a downhill 
spiral, mm-hmm. so to speak. Well, I, I say that like it's a bad thing, but it was because we say it's an upward, <laughs> upward spiral. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were listening. We listened to like Bishop Barron a lot together, and we listened to Steve Ray. He was a, a pretty big one for me at first. Um, you know, I had to put my questions about the nature of the church, the hierarchy, the authority of the church, um, and and dispensing the sacraments and. Such that was my biggest struggle. My my three biggest struggles for the church. Honestly, the communion of saints did not bother me. I feel like God was already had already already kind of prepared me for that. Um, And even like a whole view of history of how like the reign of Christ from heaven with his saints was the fulfillment of the reign of Christ in Revelation and what was spoken about in Daniel and how the transformation of society of of Rome. Um, was the means through which like Christ through the martyrs, through the early fathers, through the saints brought about the, the transformation of society and that the reign of Christ in a very real way was being lived out on the earth through the church. And so I had already kind of been coming to that place. And so that had to bring me to the question of like, okay, but, but what about the Catholic church? Are you going to take it seriously now? And so for me, Mary was still hard. Even though the communion of saints wasn't, I was concerned about, okay, I'm okay with the idea of Mary and her intercession, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm concerned about like the amount, the degree of the attention that she's given. My, yeah. my guess yesterday when I asked her about Mary, she said, I think she gets too much attention from y'all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. She's just mom, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So this was, one was his mom. Move yeah, on. Right, right. And so there was that. And then there was um, just the nature of confession and the priesthood. Like, you know, I realized that the Catholic Church taught that there was a priesthood of all believers, but then there was this ministerial priesthood and the idea of having to be a part, like to, to confess to, you know, a priest and and these things coming from the background that I did with this very like egalitarian view of leadership in the church. I really had to wrestle through that. And I don't know if that was, I feel like those those were the big, the the big things for for me. And the the Pope, I guess is kind of an offshoot of that Um, Mm -hmm. wrestling with the office, whether it was legitimate, because I mean, I was, I was studying history and I, you know, even, even once I began to take the church seriously, I struggled because I didn't, in my mind, I didn't see enough historical evidence from uh, like from the first century. It seemed like the papal like emphasis really began in like the third, fourth centuries. Of, you know, is whenever it became much stronger. Um, you know, and I've I've worked through those questions since then, but at the time, you know, it was like. Um, that's just something that I had to spend. I had to listen to, to debates, kind of study um, church fathers and, and come to a place where I kind of had some um, some peace about all of that. But it was like, you know, one thing after another, God had to, to clear that clear that ground, clear those things, wrestle with those questions. But it, it came to down to the point where the core question was for me, um, God, did you establish one church did you establish a visible church not just like a church where it's like you know anybody who loves jesus around the world is part of the one church which is the way that protestants tend 
to think of the church, the one church. But like I see in the scriptures, the apostles, they saw themselves as part of one communion that had a certain structure and authority to it. And then in the generations following the apostles, you know, the the belief that the apostles laid their hands on bishops and that these were the basis of unity across space and time for the church. And it's like, God, it's out of this church that the scriptures were even came and were canonized eventually. So it's like, which came first, the church or the Bible? Um, and so wrestling with those questions, it eventually led me to the belief that, um, like, God, you're a, you're a you are God who establishes first a covenant people, just like you did with Abraham, just like you did with Moses. And out of your relationship with those people come the scriptures that guide the community through time. And so it's the same thing with the Catholic Church. He first established the 12 apostles who are the foundation of the church, and they're the foundation of the community. And throughout and through establishing that covenant relationship, that covenant community, the scriptures flow out from that. So it's like my allegiance is first and foremost to Jesus and the apostles and the community that he started. And I have to just believe that, God, you're able to preserve them. Um, it's kind of a new level of trust and faith that God is able to do that. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of the big thing that I couldn't I couldn't get away from. So, I don't know if you got anything to add about your struggles with all of that, because I know her struggles were different than mine. So. Yeah. Yeah, when he first came in, I, I I will never forget that night when he's like, "What if Catholicism is true?" And I was still like, "What the?" <laughs> like, I was like, "Of course it's not true." And then he did the whole thing where we're like, you know, we really need to like consider this, and you know, surprise, it's true. <laughs> um, but like him, like I, I had struggles with Mary a lot, um, and just feeling like I was gonna honor her too much and that it would be too much and so I had um I had to go a long way with that because it kind of felt like it was weird it was like she was my estranged biological mom and I'd never known her before and then she like reveals herself and I'm and she's like hi I'm your you know I'm your mother and I'm like but are you really like and you know but and I have like my real mom like what like what do I do with this in this relationship and so um it's taken you know a lot of really just like seeking and just having faith through that and knowing that she has been patient with me through that um because that's like and just looking at her for guidance like to be a mom like what it is to be a mom and a good wife and you know a good servant and how to say yes to those things that God is asking of you that you don't know the outcome of you know the the uncertainty like she is huge for me in that because you know we there's a lot of uncertainty that we're going through right now and it's just saying you know lord what would you have me to do and just saying yes and moving forward in that and, and looking to her as that example um and then you know confession was big for me <laughs> i was like why do i have to confess to a dude like, why is this happening? Like, I should be able to talk directly to God. And so that, you know, very quickly got fixed where I saw that it was more than just, you know, confessing to a priest. It was like being reconciled with the church and how it was like healing, not just for you, but for the entire body. Like, it benefits the entire body of Christ that you are reconciled. And I was like, this isn't just about me. <laughs> 
And so that was, that was big. I remember like my first confession, um, I had to like do my first confession was like back until 2007. So I had a pretty decent amount of things to talk about. (laughs) And a lot of it was like stuff I was super ashamed about. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, why do I have to dig all this back up? Like what, why this is unfair. Like I've already dealt with this, like with God, like I'm forgiven already. And, um, I talked to my friend Amy about it and because she, um, had become Catholic. Made her, and, made her garuli yeah. on, on Twitter. Amy J. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mater, or Mater, I guess I yeah. Mater Garuli on Twitter. Uh, I'll find her. Yeah. So it was, she's like a childhood best friend of Nick, but we, she and I also are friends and I messaged her and I was like, I don't know what to do with this, Amy. Like, I'm really mad. <laughs> and she's like, she talked to me about it. She's like, you know, if this is bringing up those feelings in you, then you're, you have healing that needs to happen with those things. Like you clearly, you may like be forgiven in that, that sense, but like, you're not healed right. and God wants to heal those things. Like, because I had stuff that had gotten so deeply rooted. It was almost like I put a levy up in my mind just to like shove it behind there and be like, I've dealt with that. It's gone. When it's more, I just put it in the closet back there <laughs> and I didn't just lock the door and walked away instead of it being actually dealt with. Um, and so when I went to my first confession, yeah, I thought it was going to be like behind a screen and it was a face-to-face confession. Yeah. So I was totally freaked out, <laughs> but I was like, it ended up being a huge relief because to see our priest sitting there. And knowing that he was sitting in the person of Christ right there for me and me spilling all of this, like awful stuff out to him, like weeping, like it was the ugly cry (laughs) and for him just to sit there and smile at me and nod. And it was like this reassurance that even though like all of these like terrible things like were coming out and, you know, some of the stuff I didn't even realize I was going to confess is just stuff that just kept coming out. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, surprised that I was just so just like, it was like word vomit. (laughs) And, but to look over and even though I was like mortified by like just the sheer like weight of the things that I had done, he was just, he was calm and he, he just, it was, you could see Jesus shining through him and just waiting to give me the absolution and just, and the confidence of knowing that it's done. Like, and the weight that I felt in that moment that was lifted when he, when we went through the prayer of absolution and I was just like, I like feel like I could fly (laughs) right now. Like the freedom that I felt was indescribable. And I like walked out of there immediately went and journaled because Nick had to go do his and I journaled and like, I look back on that journal entry and there's like tear splats all over the page. <laughs> and, and it was so amazing. Like, and so like now from that moment on, like the, the sacrament of reconciliation was totally changed for me. Like there is no fear in that. I mean, yeah, sometimes I still get those little jitters cause you know, it's, it's still got that little bit of like, but knowing what's on the other side of that. How long were you in there? I was probably in there for what, 20, 10, 10, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15, about probably 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like forever though, <laughs> but, um, and I had written 
stuff in my journal to like solid things that I knew I didn't need to forget. But even in the middle of that, more stuff just, and I was like, I got so much ugly in me. (laughs) Um, And just like, yeah, the relief that was there and Jesus totally healed everything, all my views to do with that, with reconciliation. And so now I'm just like, y'all go to confession. Everybody needs to go to confession. (laughs) You know, going to confession puts a, a fork in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a finality. It's closure. It's done. Yeah. It's, it's something you can think back and say, you know, I already handled that face to face. Right. Or it's been, it's, yeah. it's gone. So yeah. it puts a closure. It's like, um, used to when I was Protestant, I bet you I asked God forgiveness for certain things a million times. Mm-hmm. Because there's no closure. It's just yeah. a, a prayer, just yeah. shooting a prayer up there. Yeah. And then when I dealt with it, when I went to my first confession, uh, mine was just like yours. I just, you know, word vomit stuff coming out that I hadn't <laughs> planned on. I mean, all the stuff I thought of for days. Yeah. It, some of it didn't even come out. It was stuff that I wasn't even thinking about Mm -hmm. and I felt the same way I felt I felt good when I come out and it's the first time I I think it's the first time I ever felt forgiven but but the whole key to it is what you just said that that priest is Christ becomes Christ yeah like at mass you know during the you know the uh the Eucharist yeah and if you believe that that priest is acting in Christ's stead, that he's becoming Christ, then there's a closure to it, just like a guilty verdict or not guilty. Yeah. You know, if, if you get accused of something, you come clean, whatever, and you're acquitted, you're found not guilty, even if people gossip about you, you can say, you know, I got found not guilty on this yeah. date. Yeah. Not guilty. There's no warrants out for my arrest yeah. <laughs> because I went to confession. Yeah. Right. And it's like, we're such like, just as humans, we, we like tangible things. We like things that we can see and to have your priest sitting there knowing that he is acting in the person of Jesus. Like it's a physical mm-hmm. representation of what is actually taking place. So when he says, you know, you're forgiven, you mm-hmm. can have faith and know that it's happening. Like right then mm-hmm. there is a direct thing that is happening and you right. can see it with your own eyes. So it like brings a whole new level of accountability to that because, yeah. you know, if you are able to say that and to receive that, then it does make a bigger difference that you're not going to go keep doing the same thing. It brings a new awareness to the, to like how you live out your day because right. you know <laughs> what's well, accountability. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a Protestant, I didn't have to be accountable to anyone. Yeah. Right. Not even my because wife. Because you had your, your, you know, like you said, you just throw your prayer up and you just believe that it's taken care right. of. And, and you know that if you mess up 50,000 times, you could just do the same thing. Yeah. But it makes it so much easier to mess up because yeah. you don't have the physical accountability. And you, and you do have, like, brothers and sisters that you can do that with. But it's so, like, it's, it's it, rare that you have those connections. Machine. You gotta be careful who you 
confess to when it comes right. to yeah. partners. Right. They'll be all over town. You yeah. know, preachers do too. Preachers don't have a seal of confession. Yeah. A preacher tell tell your business all over town. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, I need y'all to do me a big favor. Yeah. Just keep talking. My dog's cutting up. I gotta go check on with this dog. Okay. Might be the right. mailman. Okay. Might be getting mauled. Y'all just keep talking. We need to pray for that. Mailman. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess I can say that the, um, the, the church that I was a part of that I mentioned, which was very much um, egalitarian in the way we viewed leadership, we really heavily emphasized how Christ worked through all of us in the body. I mean, that was a very heavy emphasis on, um, Christ in you, you know, Christ in us, Christ in the body and how all the different ministries of Christ um, were and how we experience Christ. So it's like we, we very much had that sense of in persona Christi, but it was just, you know, for everybody. And, and there's a sense in which that's, you know, that's true. We can all minister and mediate Christ to one another. And we should. But there was, a, there was a very different thing when you have someone who is standing, who has the authority of the apostles and of Christ behind them in a unique way who is representing the universal church throughout space and time. It's, it's a whole different matter. So, yeah, we had to check, make sure the, the baby was not awake. Um, <laughs> Your dog's going crazy and I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if she's awake. Yeah. So, yeah. So for me, my first confession, this is awkward talking without him there. <laughs> talking to a brick wall. Uh, yeah, it is talking to a brick wall. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, my my experience with confession, and I actually do prefer face-to-face -face confessions. You know, I've heard, I've heard a joke that there are two kinds of Catholics, Catholics who um, confess to a different priest, like every Sunday, like that the, the, it's like yeah. they're so private, you know, and then those who like, you know, have a, a consistent ongoing relationship um, with their, you know, a spiritual direction type thing. Um, I, I prefer that relationality that, that, you know, um, when in my first confession, you know, I, I'm a very um, perfectionist type person. So I had typed like seven pages um, of things to, to bring up. And so, you know, I, was bringing up some really, um, you know, stuff that was that was awkward, stuff that was very uh, difficult to deal with, and and I had to speak to the priest about those things on multiple occasions. But the the reality of having someone there who has, um, especially, you know, well, who has that the apostolic authority behind them it's the continuation of, of john 21 it says that whoever you know um if if you forgive sins they'll be forgiven if you retain sins they'll be, they'll be retained that authority going through time it, it it's the presence of christ in a very very unique and powerful way um through the authority of the apostles whom he has chosen it's it's a covenant family. It's a covenant people. It's a covenantal authority. 
um, that's based not just on what my personal doctrinal preferences are. You know, I, I don't, I didn't join the Catholic Church because I thought that they got the doctrines right. I didn't join because, you know, they line up with my view of Scripture. You know, I joined because, to me, it's, it's, I can see the evidence that it's the family of God, the authority of God throughout time. You know, it's, it's a covenantal um, uh, relationship. It's not, you know, I, I was just sh uh, sharing that, you know, joining the Catholic Church was not about doctrinal opinions. I mean, it, it's not about, you know, obviously we had to wrestle with the doctrine, but it wasn't like, you know, you know, many people when they join in, in the Protestant world, you're joining, you join a church either because you agree with their doctrines, you believe that they're right, they've got this the, the set of doctrines right, or because you like their music, or because they've got a good, you know, Sunday like a program, program, a good kids use, program. Yeah. So it's either something doctrinal um, where you're like determining, well, they line up with my view of the Bible, or it's, you know, some kind of more uh, Social reason. shallow or superficial yeah. reasons, um, typically. And so, the kids. Yeah, yeah. And so for the for becoming Catholic, I mean, it was more recognizing, having to recognize and wrestle with the fact that God did actually establish this church uniquely among all the others. And I am bound for my allegiance to be and my union to be with that church and not any other, not on the basis of my personal opinions and dogmas you know it's like i had to submit the things that i even the things that i struggle with. i mean there's still occasionally things that i struggle with it's not like there's just been just this light and everything's easy you know i mean the church has got a long history there's a lot of mess throughout its history it's a mess so right now. there's mess right now i mean you know so there's still things to struggle with but it's the notion that just like all throughout israel's history they're their identity as a people was on the basis of their common connection to Abraham and Moses, that this was a people who were formed on the basis of a covenant. And so for someone to leave Israel and say, well, I'm going to go form my own Israel, you know, based on, you know, because I disagree. And there were plenty of corruption all throughout Israel's history, plenty of opportunities to, to jump ship. But if you read right. the prophets, I mean, their critiques are coming from a place of, no, you are the people of God. You are the covenant people of God. And so you're not living. And so they they remain faithful to that people even while um even while still, you know, speaking and, and critiquing and, and the people. And so, you know, for us the church deals with a lot of corruption in various points and times in history, but it's like, are we going to be faithful to our family? Basically, it's not on the basis of that. There's so there's a real sense of just like a marriage, you know, you enter into a covenant with somebody, and despite all the messes and all the struggles that you may have in that relationship, you know, my relationship is not based on whether we were going to always get it right, whether we're always going to perfectly live out our vows to each other, as that we're always going to, you know, treat each other well. It's like, no, I'm committed to you for life, you know, and so that's really the nature. And so when we came into the church, it very much felt like that. It was yeah. like, this is like a marriage. And we came into mm -hmm. Easter Vigil um, and, you know, then asking the question, do you, prefer, do you believe all that the church teaches yeah. and having and affirming that? You stand and say, I do. And, and it I really do. is and, like, and, 
and submitting, you know, yep. submitting yourselves to that, your mind, your heart, your will, you know, and, and it's, it's, there's a scariness to it. Just like yeah. there's a scariness that you're married at, you know, on your wedding day. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. It felt very much like the night, like the day that we were getting married, we both were like, I feel like those jitters that we had. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more involved and detailed than a lot of Protestants would think. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Just, being baptized right they don't realize when you're being baptized you're making all these uh, you're you're um you're entering a verbal agreement right right mm -hmm. yeah and it's being sealed with water mm -hmm. yeah. just like in the old testament when they would sprinkle you with water you right. know um yeah like my my grand my grandson was baptized a couple of weeks ago, and you know, it took several minutes. It wasn't just, you know, let's pour some water on them, you're in. I mean, there was yeah. just, I want to say oath. Yeah. How do you say that plurally? Oath. Yeah. Um, I'm dragging you a little bit in. You're yeah. the face again. <laughs> Y'all are great. Y'all need to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, really, y'all should start a YouTube channel where you come on, you know, every week and just do like you're doing now and sharing your story. I mean, God really, I mean, I, I noticed y'all on Twitter, your faith, on, and I don't even know anything about Twitter. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't either. I, I still don't, I still don't, still don't understand, understand it. Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm just no good at it. I'm no good at TikTok. But like, have y'all been on TikTok? No, I've, I've steered clear of TikTok. That's one of so those far. that I've like. I've made a promise to myself that I'm not, I'm not going to do that one because <laughs> I, I would it, waste too much time. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of bad on there. But you talk yeah. about some really great Catholic content, like people mm -hmm. your age putting yeah. stuff out around the clock right. and millions of people. I mean, you could do a hashtag on something Catholic and look and see where over a billion people mm. use that hashtag. I mean, the, yeah. it, 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 there's a reason why YouTube is starting up all these new things like YouTube Live Together and all. Yeah. They're getting their butt kicked. By <laughs> <people>. <laughs> Gotta step it up. YouTube yeah. is scheduled to be gone in within five years because wow. they haven't done anything for their people. Whereas TikTok yeah. and Snapchat, yeah. the others are so easy, man. YouTube, right. you got to jump through hoops <laughs> and having a guest. Yeah. We're on TikTok. You, you just, it's, it's yeah. so much easier. And you remember MySpace? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, yes. I remember. <laughs> it's it's practically gone, right? Is it yeah. gone? Yeah. I was like, can you even go to my? Is it even like a thing? Right. <laughs> no, see, they didn't keep up. Yeah. Facebook come along; it was so much easier to use, right? And quicker. And then now you got these uh, other channels, but like Rumble is very difficult. People tell me to use Rumble. Yeah, it's weird. I've tried to fiddle with it before, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> well, well, Twitter's confusing to me. I'm yeah. sure people think I'm rude and, and <laughs> social, but yeah. 
But I don't know how to do Twitter or TikTok. I have a now my TikTok account. I've got some videos that, that are like around half a million views. Wow. And I put the same video on YouTube and get 14 views. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. You're like, why? Why do I even YouTube? Don't understand. Don't, my, my son posted a, a meme on Instagram last week. It got 9 million views. Wow. His Instagram is like hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know. I'm going to, I'll repost his uh, little, you know, he does Catholic mm-hmm. evangelism. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah the, it's good too. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I follow his Instagram. I actually showed Nick one of his reels today because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, well, well he uh, he don't share them with me anymore. He says when I share his stuff, it messes up his algorithms. <laughs> so, you oh, want to say to that? I got to say about that. But I don't know. But y'all have a good witness and a good. Um, I just think y'all should think about it. Well, we'll, we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter's, been, Twitter's been fun to get to kind of like, like there's some really ugly parts, um, but there's also some really good parts too. I've made a lot of good connections and I've seen a lot of like good, you know, interactions um, and I've had some good interactions and, you know, as long as I'm there, I'll do my best to, to spread a good, um, a good witness for Jesus, but there's also, like you said, there's some ugly, ugly parts on that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Virginia and all, all these people that have dropped by to say, hey, I appreciate y'all dropping by. I got to run. I'll explain why I jumped up in a little <laughs> bit. I'll shoot you a text, okay? Okay. <laughs> think about starting a podcast. All right. And think about a little YouTube channel. It ain't got to be elaborate, just like you just sit there and share a little bit. Anthony, happy Lent. And uh, I'll see you guys on Twitter, okay? All, All right. right. Thank All right. you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is John. Thank you for dropping by my YouTube and podcast, Catholic for Rednecks. If you're interested in becoming Catholic or learning about the faith, if you're just curious or intrigued or maybe looking for some junk, you have found the right place because I love to do videos, podcasts about the Holy Catholic Church. I was born and raised Southern Baptist in the great state of Alabama. And all, uh, I'm just a redneck, but um, I was born and raised in a different church than I'm in now. I even went to seminary out in Oklahoma, and uh, I spent 50 years in the Baptist Pentecostal churches and found myself wanting to be a Catholic. Come on in, listen.